Uh, Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5 as we dive in this morning. And I, I do have actually one, one more announcement, and it really is just to save the date. Um, we do the Mexico missions trip every year, and so I have the dates for Mexico. If you are interested in going to Mexico, block out these dates, July 6th through 12th. Make sure you, you write that down in your notes or just mentally, however you want to remember those dates. There will be more information coming on uh, the cost and the meetings and stuff, but July 6th through 12th is when we will be going to Mexico this year. Uh, we go every year. It's fun. We, I think last year we had a group of 15 that went. We were able to build a house, uh, do vacation Bible school with the kids. Uh, we partnered with Creekside Church in California, and it's just an awesome time we have to go down to Mexico and um, build house, VBS, feed homeless. It's an amazing time. And I know that every year, as much as we go to serve people there, I know that God does a number in our hearts almost more than we feel like we're doing down there. God just does an amazing work. So write down those dates, more information to come. It's going to be an amazing week that we get to do together. So we, we're in a series called Redeeming Your Time. We've been talking all about how we spend our time. What's, a, what's the best way to use our time and make sure that we are using it in the way God has called us to be good stewards of our time? And our, our passage has been in Ephesians 5, and it says this. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And the whole question we've been saying is, what does that mean then in that passage? When God says, redeem your time, and what is the will of the Lord? How, how do we do these steps together? And we've been looking at the life of Jesus for a number of principles that help us better manage our time. So as we dive in, let me, let me pray for us. And again, welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us online. And uh, let's just welcome God in here today as we dive into his word together. God, I thank you so much for today. Um, I thank you that... Um, God, I thank you that you gave us a perfect example in Jesus on what it means to prioritize and redeem our time and use it in, in great ways that you've called us to do. So God, I pray that as we dive into your word today, you touch our hearts, you speak to us, God, and we leave here different because we had a genuine encounter with you. We thank you, love you, and everybody said, amen. So, so we, we've established already that you know, life in the first century, shocker, was very different than life is now. Lots of different things uh, distracted people then, lots of different things distract us now, uh, but the, the common thing we do know is that Jesus did have to deal, when he was here on earth, with the human limitation of time. He took on the flesh, he walked among us, he lived in 24-hour days, he, he was not exempt to the living in time when he was in the flesh with us here on earth. And people were pulling him in a million directions all the time. And when you read through the life of Jesus, you see so many crowds coming to him and Jesus retreating to quiet places or Jesus going to the crowds. But there are times where he has to like cut it off, be like, hey, now it's time to go to sleep. Now it's time to take a nap. Now I have to see my disciples. And we'll talk about, uh, we'll see a couple times in, passage, in passages today how Jesus actually at some point doesn't even tell people he's there because he has a different purpose for why he's in certain places at a certain time. So Jesus also had limitations in his time and what he was able to do in the three years that he was actually doing his ministry here on earth, and priorities were a big part of that. He had to do what was most important and what God called him to do as he worked within his time. We've explored these, uh, these principles so far from the life of Christ. We talked about one, if we want to redeem our time, start with the word. Make sure you are fully engaged and fully immersed. Start with God's word. Last week, we talked about a couple of them. We said, let your yes be yes. We talked about the importance of saying yes and saying no and being definitive and following through with what we say we're going to do. 
And then we talked about descent from the kingdom of noise. The world will throw distractions at you, being able to block out what the world says and focus on what God has called you to do. And this week, we're going to look at how nobody in Jerusalem had more things competing for their attention, or for his attention, yet Jesus always seemed to be able to discern the essential from the noise. He always seemed to be able to say, this is what's important, and this is what I have to say not right now to. And, and I mean, when you think of Jesus, how, how could he say no? Like, how, how could he say no when you have the multitudes of people coming to him that, that needed healing? I mean, he had the power to restore all creation. You think Jesus could have just said, boom, the world is healed. And it would have happened, right? I mean, he, he was God in the flesh. He could have done that with just, the, just speaking the word. He had the power to restore everything. So how did he decide what was most important in those times? What was going to be most effective? Why would he say, I'm going to do this here, but not this over here? How did he know when to say yes to something and also know when the stopping point was for other things, for his messages, for his meetings, for his healings? So in other words, the question is, how did Jesus prioritize his yeses? And that's a question we're going to look at today. The principle for today is for us, prioritize your yeses. I think when we talk about redeeming our time and looking at Jesus as the example of, of what to do in our time, we need to look at how he discerned when it was time to say yes, when it was time to move on, and how he was able to prioritize his mission when he was with us. So the fact is this, not all yeses are created equal. Just like uh, not every to-do carries the same weight in doing good works for others. If you were to say, like, hey, you know, I, I can do this and it will mean this much for somebody, it will mean this much for me. If I say yes here, that's more important than maybe saying yes here. So not all yeses are equal. So how can we identify in our season of life, whatever season you're in, what God is telling you, hey, say yes to this. This is what I want you to do. If you say yes to this, not that it's a bad thing, but this is really the direction I'm pulling you right now. How do we discern what God is calling us to do and ignore the things that we shouldn't be doing? I want to start today by looking at Mark chapter 1, verse, starting in verse 29. And Mark 1, 29, it says this. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to look for her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. It's almost kind of a plot twist. You don't really, on first read, expect Jesus to do this. You know, people come say, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. And Jesus doesn't say, all right, well, bring them in. Let's go. It's time to continue on what we started last night. He doesn't say that. They say, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. And he goes, actually, it's time for us to go now. It's, it's something that at first glance doesn't make sense until you unpack and look at it. You see, to recap, Jesus was driving out evil spirits at the synagogue. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. Word had spread what Jesus is doing. He is, he's not just kind of a big deal. This is a big deal. This guy is the real, he is the Messiah. He is doing God's work and people are flocking to see him. They cannot wait to, to have their ailments relieved, to meet the son of God. We don't know exactly how many people were there, but it says the whole town. That's... Depending on the town, 
even if it's a small town, there's still a lot of people. And they're all coming to see Jesus. He's teaching, he's healing, he's casting out spirits. The atmosphere is probably incredible. If you've grown up in the church, maybe you can pinpoint a moment in your life, whether it was a a summer camp or even a a church prayer night or an altar call where you think, man, this was, I just felt like everything was right. God, the, the spirit was moving. I just felt like I was on fire. I imagine this is happening in this time right now. It is an incredible moment. And Jesus says, after it's time to go to bed, everyone comes back and he says, nope, I gotta go. And he leaves. Imagine that. Maybe it's maybe if you haven't grown up in church, putting it into like a, an event you went to go attend to. You went to a concert or a sports event. You went somewhere where you were just, the hype was there. You were so excited to be there and, and the atmosphere was just out of this world. Maybe you're in line to do something amazing. I know that my family, we, we, we like to go to Disneyland if we can. And it's, it's a fun trip. When we lived in California, it was one of our frequent places to go. And Imagine being in line for something, because this, this is not that this has ever really happened, but you know, you're, you're in line for a big ride, and you're next, and then it closes down. And they say, is it going to open up? Oh, we don't know. And then they tell you, actually, it's not opening up. Actually, it's going to be closed for a few days. You're like, but I'm leaving tomorrow. It's kind of the, the letdown. Now, I can imagine some people here in this scene thinking they were ready to go see Jesus the next day. Maybe they were next in line, right? They're coming up, and it's like, we're here to see Jesus. Actually, he went to the next town. Man, kind of, kind of the, the deflating feeling and emotions that would come with that. You, you get frustrated. You pause. You think. Maybe some of them thought, it's okay, we'll find him tomorrow. I know that for, for us sometimes, we can do that. If, if you're in line for something and they say, hey, maybe you're next, you, you, can, you, you know you can wait. Or maybe you can even have that patience to know, hey, I can do this on another day. I can come back tomorrow. But you've got to get over that initial frustration or hump, Right? understandably, the people in this setting, they wanted more Jesus. They were in. They wanted to see what he could do for them. They wanted, maybe they had ailments. They were still waiting to be healed, but he moved on to the next town. Why would he do that? Why would Jesus say no? And I think when we look at this, we see in his answer, he had already committed to a bigger yes. He had already said he was going to do something else. Listen to the, the response for this request one more time. He says, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. I'm sure Jesus could have stayed in one town and there would have been something new and amazing every single minute of every single day with those people. But Jesus knew, I have a mission and I have to go now. There's somewhere I have to be. God, has, my father has told me it is time for me to go and preach somewhere else. Jesus understood his purpose that allowed him to take the long list of things he could do and prioritize it down to the things he knew he should do to finish the work that the Father gave him to do. Once he had his work prioritized, though, what you see Jesus doing is you see him relentlessly pursuing what God has called him to do. He pursues it with his whole being. And and the phrase we hear in, in life, you'll hear this, you see priorities, priorities, priorities. We all have priorities. Jesus had his priorities. And I wonder when, when I say those words, how many of us hear something different? Maybe when I say priorities, 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 you hear the word priorities, or maybe you hear priorities, oh, time management. Priorities, oh, my job, I got a deadline due. When, when we say the word priority, we can start thinking of a lot of different things, the, the time, a to-do list. Do you wonder sometimes if you've got your priorities right? I wonder sometimes. 
When, when I'm writing out the things I have to do in my day, I know that I, I have lists that I go through. I have my must get done today, must be done by next week, must be done by this quarter. I, I, I prioritize out and I have my list of things that I have to do. And then I look at my list and sometimes I think, man, I wish I had more time to do a lot of these things on my list. <laughs> wish I had a lot more time to get the things done. I wonder if I get my priorities right. Would you like more time for those things you consider to be top priority? Would you just like more time to get these things done? And let me ask you this. Do you know what God's priorities are for you personally, individually? What is God's priority for you? What is he calling you to do? What is his priority for your life? What is his priority for his church? On one occasion, Jesus didn't want anyone to know that they were there because he was in the middle of teaching his disciples. And in that particular moment, his disciples were his priority. Mark 9, 30 and 31 says this. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise. He knew that if, if people in that town right there knew that Jesus was here, he would not have that time that he wanted to specifically talk to his disciples. And he says in this passage, don't tell him I'm here because right now I'm here for you. I, my priority right now is preparing you for this moment. And what he was telling them was a big deal, that he was going to die, that he was going to rise again. And what's, what's crazy, and it's a whole other talk for a whole other time, is as many times as he said, his disciples still didn't get it. But he made sure he was communicating to them what was going to happen. They were his priority. He knew that if people were physically right there, they would want his time. He wouldn't have the time to give his disciples because his priority in this earthly time-bound moment was those 12 people around him. On other occasions, his priority was prayer, and he would go to a solitary place, not even with his disciples or with anybody. It was just him, and that was his priority. Mark 1.35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Other times, he would avoid the crowds, people clamoring for his attention, and he wouldn't go to the crowds. Luke 4, 42 to 43 says this, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. Jesus had his priorities, times to be with the people, times to be with his disciples, times where it was just him and his dad. He said, I've got to prioritize my schedule so I can do the work that he has called me to do. And he always made sure his priorities kept his purpose going forward. He had a clear sense of what he needed to do and what he was set out to do. And when the time came, there were times where he had to say no. Parents, it's okay to say no to kids. I'm still learning that one. I say yes, my kids ask me all the time because they know that I'm the yes one at home. But there are times where he says yes. There's times where he says, no, I just saw Aurora smile at me when I said that because she knows. If she wants that cookie, go ask dad. It doesn't matter if it's five minutes before dinner. It's all good. The key was this. The key was his focus during his time. He was focused on what his priority in that moment was to do. He prioritized his yeses. He knew when to say yes, and he knew when to say no. He only ever did what the father told him to do, what the father saw him doing, and that meant physical Jesus in the flesh. I'm going to be careful how I say this. Jesus in the flesh with his disciples could not be with everyone at every time. I, I know that uh, pastors and, and church leaders find this particularly challenging because I'll be totally honest with you. When, when you work in church, one of, the, uh, one of the, the sayings that people throw out there is fun is, hey, you're always working. 
And there's, there's some truth to that because you, you never know when someone's going to have a phone call or some, someone's going through something and, and we want to be there for people. That's, that's what I, I love to do. When, when someone calls and it's honestly any point during the day, it's like, hey, can we meet for whatever reason? I don't necessarily love the reason, but I do love meeting with the person. I do. That, that's what I, I, I'm called to do and be a part of with people's lives. And that's not something that, that necessarily the Bible has put on me. That's something I've put on myself. Or, or church leaders, we put on ourselves. We want to be there 24-7 for people. And sometimes we don't realize that we need to be able to say no because that yes maybe isn't a priority with what we're doing in that moment. But it goes back to my children's and youth pastor days. Uh, part of it is the feeling of responsibility. The other part is wanting to be there for people. I remember as a, a youth pastor getting a phone call at two in the morning saying, hey, my kid is missing. Can you come help? Yes. Yes, I'll be there. That was a definite priority. Yes. If my phone rang at two in the morning saying, hey, I was thinking about the sporting event. It's like, all right. As much as I do love sports, it's really worth two in the morning conversation. No, no, it's not. We have to prioritize yes things, right? Ultimately, what happens is I end up feeling, though, something I put on myself, I end up feeling that I need to be more available than Jesus ever was to all people at all times. And that's not a healthy thing to think. And sometimes, and it's not just people that work in church. I know it's not just me. Sometimes we can even put that on ourselves where we think I need to be available to every person at all times for everything because that's what I have to do. And the truth is you don't have to. You cannot be everywhere all times for all people. I believe 100% God is omnipresent. What that means, omnipresent, God is everywhere at all times. He is with us in this room. He is with the churches down the street. He is across the world. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. When we're, when we're here right now, I know that there, there's, a, there's a team in Mexico right now that is in the middle. Of, they think they just finished a building project. God is with that team, and they're doing phenomenal things. He is also here today. He is everywhere. He's with Tammy in Ukraine right now. Some of you know Tammy, a missionary that we support in Ukraine all the time. And when Jesus was walking here on the earth, he could not physically be in the room with his disciples and across the cross town and on the boat and walking on the water. He was not physically in those places all at the same time. He embraced flesh and was in those places at a single time. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me on that? When Jesus was here, he constricted himself to be physically in one place at one time. But that didn't translate to his spiritual presence, and we'll talk about that more in a second. People with multiple kids, uh, you, you may understand this you know, when, when you think, man, I have multiple kids, and I have one kid playing sports here, and I have one kid doing this activity here, and I can only be at one of these things at a time. Or uh, My family growing up, there's 15 of us, and we were all playing different sports. My parents, I can't even tell you how they managed it. But we were always on time for our sports. They were at different sporting events. Now, I can honestly tell you, my parents were not at every single sporting activity I was in because when I was playing a baseball game here, my brother was playing a baseball game there. Or when I was playing a football game here, my other brothers were playing a football game there. They, they had to divide and conquer. And with 15 kids, that's a lot of dividing and a lot of conquering. But they made it happen. But they couldn't be everywhere all the time. The problem is, though, we fall into this trap of feeling like we need to be available and say yes to everything, and suddenly everything becomes the biggest priority when that's simply not the case. We can stretch ourselves so thin where we try to be in two physical places at the same time, and we say some of them are more important than others. And I know this is true for me. Can you set aside time for priorities for the different things that are really important? If you have a mobile phone, is it on 24 hours a day? 
Do you always answer your phone at home, even at mealtimes? Guilty. So many times at meals, my phone will chime and I'll get the look. Guys, you know the look. Put it away. Not just in your pocket. Turn it off. Put it away. At night, there are times where I have to silence it or it can go off and wake me up with things that aren't important. Other nights, I know I'm expecting things, so I leave it on just as a, what if someone calls or something going on, I need to be ready for it. So it's not on every night, but if my fantasy football chat is going crazy at 11 p.m., that thing is silenced. It's off. It's not a priority. My sleep is. I can't help anyone if I'm exhausted. I've got to set priorities. So the big question for us is this. We talk a lot about what is your yes, what are your priorities. I think the biggest question for us when it comes to our priorities and we look at the life of Jesus is this. Do you set aside time as a priority to be alone with God? Do you set time as a priority to be alone with God, to get to know God better, or, or in the case of Jesus, uh, to teach others, right? Jesus always made that a priority. I love it. Whether he's with the crowd, he's praying to God. When he's away from the crowd, he finds a solitary place, he goes and prays. He makes sure that in all things, God is the forefront and the focus of his life. So how does this relate to us today? So many of us can get paralyzed with trying to decide where is the best place to spend our time? Where is the best place to say yes? What do we have to say yes to? How do we prioritize what are the good things and what are the important things when we just want to say yes to a lot of things? I read this quote from Pastor Kevin DeYoung, and it really stood out to me. It says this, the people on this planet who end up doing nothing are those who never realized they couldn't do everything. The people on this planet who end up doing nothing are those who never realized they couldn't do everything. We can't do everything, and that's okay. God didn't put you here to do everything. He put you here for a job he's called you to do, and it's our job to make sure we prioritize what is God putting on your heart? What is God telling you to say yes to now? Because that is what is important. In the passage in Mark 9, um, the disciples are struggling with their priorities, uh, in this passage, they, they were arguing about who is the greatest. They're on their way to Capernaum, and they're having this conversation with Jesus. Uh, who's the greatest? Who's going to be on your left? Who's going to be on your right? I'm doing this, so maybe I should be in, in, in charge of this. God, who do you have more favor on? They were focusing on things that would not grow the kingdom. They were focusing on themselves. They're talking about their own position and their, their own future career prospects. And Jesus asks them about, what are they arguing about? What, what is the real meaning of this conversation? Jesus had prioritized time in that passage in Mark 9, not to the whole crowd, but to talk to his disciples, the ones who were going to be in charge when he ultimately was crucified and rose again, the ones who were going to be spreading the word about Jesus, he had to make sure he was teaching them right so they could teach others right. They were his priority. They had not understood what he meant when he was talking to them. Instead, they were having this discussion on themselves. And I guess the same question could be asked of us today. If Jesus were to come into our houses and see what we're arguing about, what are we prioritizing, what would he ask? Would he ask, hey, what are you guys arguing about? What are you saying yes to? What, what is important in your life right now? What are you arguing about? What are you talking about in your families, in our individual churches or the national church? What is the problem? What, what are we working on? Is it possible that, that we, like the disciples, would, would be quiet if Jesus asked you that? If he just looked at you and said, what is your priority and what are you arguing about with people? Would we be quiet? Would we, would, we, would we be shamed and be like, I don't even really want to talk about it, Jesus? Would we be embarrassed of some things? I wonder what Jesus makes our priorities, both local and national. What should our priorities be? I know that I think we have a, we have a big responsibility, and uh, this year is an election year. 
There's going to be a lot of people saying what the priorities should be in your homes and politically across the world, specifically the United States because it's an election year. There are people that are going to say, this is priority. This is what we have to do. This year, we're going to elect, whether it's maybe a man or a woman, that for the next four years in the USA, who's going to be the next president? There's going to be a lot of opinions, a lot of fighting, a lot of insulting, and a lot of hate getting spread. But you know what we have the opportunity to do? We have in the midst of this political season to prioritize the love of Jesus above anything else. Above anything else, above any political issue, above any candidate, above what anybody says, how you should or shouldn't vote, what you should or shouldn't say. We have the ability to say the priority, no matter who gets elected, is that Jesus is king and his love, acceptance, and forgiveness is for absolutely everyone. That's what we get to show. This priority is his love for the world. And if you get frustrated with, uh, frustrated with people this season or this year, think about this. In the midst of, of this passage in Mark chapter 9, where, where p- their disciples are arguing over who's the greatest, Jesus doesn't appear to be frustrated or annoyed with his followers. He could have very easily told them to stop and condemned them and said, guys, what's your problem? Why are you doing this? Oh, why are you not getting what I'm trying to give you right now? He doesn't do that. They failed to understand his teaching was about himself, and they were afraid to talk to him about it. They were embarrassed to talk about the argument they had just been having, but Jesus sits down. He calls them to him, and what he does is amazing. He took their priorities, and he shaped them into his priorities. He took what they were arguing about, what they were concerned about, which was not important stuff, and he shaped it and molded it and said, hey, instead of this, let's focus on this. And he took an incredible moment to teach his disciples. And he said this in Mark 9, 35. If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. Jesus, he takes their argument about who is the greatest and tells them how to become great. And he says, if you want to become great, you've got to become the very last. Become a servant of all. And in doing so, he teaches them more about his own ministry and the ministry of service that we get to do where we prioritize other needs above ourselves because God prioritizes us so much. He wants us to be with others. He wants us to make sure we're giving his mission, not our mission. He wants to do that with the church locally and nationally. So it still comes back down to those, that three, the three same word in a row, the priorities, priorities, priorities. Jesus was so clear about his priorities. He would take time away, he would take time away from people to give time to those priorities. Now, as we saw last week, Jesus went and he would go often and have time with God. And last week we talked about kind of self-reflection, making sure we're getting rid of all the noise. But if solitude isn't enough, I, w- I want to grasp the truth that this, you and I have the power to choose what matters most rather than allowing others to choose for us. You have the ability to choose. When, when you prioritize your schedule and you say, this is what I need to do, you can choose what is your priority. My challenge to you would say, let's make sure that as we're choosing our priorities, it lines up with God's word. It lines up with what God's put on your heart. Let's face it, a lot of us operate under the assumption that, that the opposite is true. People are reactive rather than proactive with time and priorities. Um, has anyone ever fallen into that trap? I know I have. You find out, hey, what am I going to do today? And instead of being proactive on your schedule, you react to deadlines and react to things coming up because you weren't ahead of the game enough maybe. It, it seems like prioritizing our to-do list doesn't have a lot to do with Jesus sometimes. But when you read the Gospels, I think it's obvious that he was crystal clear on what is the most important thing. And because of that, he was able to prioritize his time on earth. Why did Jesus have to prioritize his time? And we we talked about this. We're going to dive deeper into this now. 
He is God. He could have healed everyone with, with just a word, with a snap of his fingers, a wave of his hand, however he wanted to do it. He could have just done everything all at once. But that, I think, leads us to this time management, this last principle that we're going to talk about today that Jesus modeled when he was here with us. Accept your unipresence. Accept your unipresence. And unipresence can be kind of a funny word, and we're going we're gonna to unpack this here. Well, to redeem our time in the model of Jesus, we've got to accept our unipresence and focus on one important thing at a time. So we, we have, if you've grown up in church, you've heard the word omnipresence, and we talked about that earlier, God being everywhere all the time. Unipresence is the opposite, only being in one place at a time. You see, when the omnipresent God became flesh, he sent Jesus. Jesus embraced the human limitations of what that means to be unipresent, whereas God is omnipresent everywhere all the time. But just like us, as we said, Jesus couldn't be in two places at the same time physically. He was limited to where his physical body was, just like we are limited to where our physical bodies are at any one given time. He wasn't on the boat and preaching the Sermon on the Mount at the same time. He wasn't, he wasn't on the boat and healing the blind and the lame at the same time. He went to those places individually. He was unipresent. Does that, does that make sense to everybody? Now, now, hear me. What I'm not saying, I'm not saying that God in his unipresence or Jesus in his unipresence was not all-knowing and not all-powerful. He was all-knowing, and he was all-powerful. And we see a great example of that in John chapter 1, verses 43 to 51. This is a great example of how Jesus could be present physically in one place, but still in tune with the Father spiritually on what's going on, and I love how this plays out. It says this, The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and the one about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. What I love about this passage here is a fig tree was a common place because of its shade for people to rest, relax, and have their quiet time or their, their prayer time with God. And so Jesus was affirming when, he's, when he sees Nathanael coming and he says, look, here this man comes. And Nathanael's like, you don't know me. And Jesus says, actually, I was just with you under the tree. For Nathanael right there, that affirmed, wow, I was praying and he knows I was praying. He was there with me, and he wasn't physically with me. This passage shows that even though Jesus was not physically next to Nathaniel at the tree, he was in tune with the Spirit. He heard Nathaniel's prayers, and he told him, I was there. I just spent time with you. So Jesus maybe wouldn't be able to be everywhere physically, but he was still very much in tune with what was happening spiritually because he was connected with his Father. Jesus had to deal with so many challenges that we face today when we seek to redeem our time including a frequent distraction that, comp that always competed for his attention. And a few, last week, we talked about a few of these things when it came to him redeem, prioritizing his time. He says this, in Mark 10, there was a man that literally threw himself at Jesus' feet as he was walking down the road. In Mark chapter 5, a woman touches his cloak, distracting Jesus with the knowledge that he had healed her. And Jesus was on his way to heal a dying girl. And he stops and interacts with this woman. One time, a man literally dropped through the roof over Jesus' head as he was preaching. We talked about that last week. Jesus had to deal with being physically in one place and people dying to get to him in those places. 
There were times when Jesus welcomed these distractions. He would stop what he was doing and focus on those. But there were other times where he made significant effort to eliminate distractions and say, this is my priority. I have to focus on this. Matthew 12, starting in 46, talks about one of these. It says this. When Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied, who is my brother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mothers and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, the given point of this passage, Jesus is not saying, that's not my family, you're my real family, my mom, oh, I can't stand hanging out with you. He was not throwing out things like that. What he was saying, it's easy to miss the point of what he's saying here. Jesus is working. He's talking to the crowd. He's doing in that time what God had called him to do. This is the crowd. This is who you are talking to, right? Now, he's preaching the gospel, and all of a sudden, his family shows. They're waiting outside, and Jesus doesn't go over to them. When Jesus was told his family was waiting, he didn't immediately go, oh, guys, my family's here. I'm sorry. You know what they say in church. There's, there's priorities. There's my relationship with God, relationship with my family, and then my job. This is part of my job, but my family is outside, so sorry, guys. I got to go. He didn't do that. What he did was he continued teaching. In that moment, he knew this is my yes. This is my priority. God has told me, my father told me, I'm talking to these people right now, and nothing's going to take that away. I'm focused, I'm present with the task God has given me to do. Now, conversely, when he was with his family and friends, he was fully focused on them. In Mark 9, that passage, what we see uh, where Jesus, what I was talking about, Jesus with his disciples, they were arguing, he says this, they left that place and passed through the Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. See, we see the moments where he says, I'm not here for everybody else, or I'm not here for those ones closest to me at this moment. I'm here for the crowd. I've got to talk to them. And then we see the flip side where he says, you know what? Right now, I am here for my people, for, for my family, for my disciples, and I can't talk to the crowd right now. He had his priorities in line with what God had called him to do in those specific moments. He was fully intentional about being focused where his focus was needed. The point is this. When you are where God wants you to be, doing what God wants you to do, be present and be all in. When you are where God wants you to be, doing what God wants you to do, be present and be all in. Don't let the world distract you. Don't let other things get in the way of the mission God has put on your heart. Do what God has called you to do. Be present with him. Be in line with him. Watch him do amazing things through you. For, for all the youth up here, man, you guys have so many things that can compete for your time. So many things. And, and I'll tell you this, as you get older, it doesn't get easier. You may get better in time management, but the distractions keep coming. They keep coming. If you focus now on what God has called you guys to do right now, you have a head start where some of us maybe never had that head start. Be all in on what God's calling you to do, and don't let the world distract you or take you away from it. Be present and prioritize what God's calling you to do, and watch at such a, even a young age, what God can do. Man, I, whole, nother, whole nother sermon on what God has done through kids, but it's phenomenal. Never doubt what God can do in you guys, and be all in. So as we, as we continue on this series, recap the, the five things so far that we've talked about. One, start with the word. And everything we're saying, man, start with the word for all of it. You want to know how to prioritize your yeses? See what Jesus did. Learn from God. The best way to hear and learn from God, spend time with him and his word. Let your yes be yes. Know that it's okay to say yes to some things, okay to say no to some things, but when you commit to something, do it. 
Descent from the kingdom of noise. Don't let the world distract you. Turn away from what's trying to pull your attention away from God. Be focused. Get rid of the noise. Prioritize your yeses. Make that list. Know that how are you going to start your day? What is God calling you to do? Prioritize what he has put in you and what is important. And then our last one, accept your unipresence. Know that you can't be everywhere at all times, but wherever you are, be all in. Give it everything you've got. I'm not going to pretend this is easy. I had to prioritize and focus on what's important in so many things that, that come at me, that come at all of us from so many directions. And that's why I want to emphasize this again. I think I'm closing every, every message in this series with this point. Jesus offers us peace before we do anything. In the midst of your craziness, in the midst of the noise, before you do anything, know that Jesus will offer you peace. And when you have that peace, be all in, give him everything, and watch what he'll do. I'd like to invite the worship team up and all of you to stand with me as we get ready to close this morning. And know this, when it comes to all of these, these principles we've been talking about, we're not perfect, we're going to mess up, but I think the key is that we're giving it everything we've got. We do what we can, let God fill in the rest. Sometimes people will say, I can't do it on my own. And other people say, yes, you can, give it everything. I'm a firm believer in, no, you can't do it on your own. But that's why we have a God who says, I'm here with you. I sent my son to walk with you because I know you can't do it on your own. And I am here with you for every step of it. We don't have to fill these 100% perfectly to be completely and perfectly loved by God. But it's because of that love, because he loves us, that we do this and we show his love to others. Our challenge as we redeem our time, make those priorities, be all in, hold nothing back, and find out what is God calling you to do right now, even today. For some of you, that priority is have dinner with Dustin. Don't forget to sign up. But whatever God's calling you to do in your life, give it everything you've got. Hold nothing back. Make him your priority. Amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you that, uh, that you gave us, again, the perfect example in Jesus God, knowing, knowing when to say yes and, and what's important, being in the moment when you've called us to be somewhere, God, is huge. And I pray that as we leave here today, we never take for granted any moment you've given us. We, we, never, we never brush off any opportunity where we say, this is the yes I need to say yes to. This is what's important. I pray you allow us to put it in perspective. And I pray that, God, for all of us in here, we prioritize, we start our day with you, God. Above anything else, our priority never shifts from making you the center of all of it. So God, we thank you. We love you. And everybody said, amen.